Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Are you a friend of Jesus? Before you answer that question, do you know what Jesus considers to be a friend? Do you think it's a casual relationship or something much deeper? The night before the cross, Jesus clearly explains this to us, opening the door for a deeper relationship with Him for all of His followers. One of the things Jesus does for His friends is He reveals the things He has heard from His Father to us. This is, of course, a great privilege that Jesus wants to explain to you today. Let's hear what Jesus has to say in part one of Pastor Jim's message, Love Bears Fruit. The title of our message today is Love Bears Fruit. Love Bears Fruit. It is the second message in what a, just as a small two-part series called What Love Does. Well, let's set the scene. It's the night before the cross. Uh, the Last Supper is over. Jesus and the apostles are, have presumably left the upper room. They're heading towards the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is giving them very, very important last-minute instructions for what we might call the new order, the new order of things. Also, you might call it the church age. Last week, we looked at verses 12 through 14. I want to read them again where Jesus said this, this is my commandment that you love one another. Apostles often were bickering with one another, but he says, I want you to love one another. How? As I have loved you. That, that's what's really what makes it, we saw in John chapter 13, makes it a new commandment is the addition of as I have loved you. Then verse 13, that great verse, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus is going to actually do that. He's gonna actually die on the cross in our place for our sins, lay down his life for his Friends. Then verse 14, Jesus said, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. So that sort of makes me think of the question what does it look like or what does it mean to be a friend of Jesus? I mean, you just say, Okay, you know, I, you're going to lay down your life for me, Jesus, but, but what are some other things that, in terms of my, my living, what is that going to look like? See, in the case of Jesus and most friendships, friends share important and sometimes intimate information with one another. Friends have common things about them or, or common goals often. And so verse 15, Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants. Now, here's one of our examples where our uh, English Bibles are really cleaned up. The word is literally slaves, now, in the ancient world, uh, slavery, in most cases, not all, was very different than the current discussion we're having in the United States about what slavery was here. A lot of times they were cooperative employment agreements. You would have sometimes doctors and attorneys and, and professional people would be slaves. A lot of it had to do with, uh, it was a world system. It still is in many places. Uh, and, but so it would be different. But no longer do I call you servants, Jesus says. Why? For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Now, perhaps in your job, you have received uh, you know, work to do 
instructions without explanations. Now, when I was growing up, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, you just, you know, why did you do something? And my parents would go, because I said so. But it seems like times have changed and it's pretty much okay to ask why. It certainly wasn't in a lot of cases in the ancient world. You just did what your master said because if you were a servant or a slave, you just did it because you were told to do it. But with a friend, it was different. A friend back then and now is what we might call a confidant. Notice Jesus says, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But now something has changed. So Jesus is telling the apostles, I've confided a lot of things in you over the years. They were together a little over three years, three, three and a half years. And already in the Last Supper that Jesus had told them a lot of stuff. And so Jesus says, I have confided a lot of stuff in you. So by virtue of the fact that I have confided a lot of stuff in you, that makes us friends. Now here's the important question. Are they still servants? Of Jesus. Yes, they are. They really still are. They don't, we don't stop being servants and be like, well, I would serve, but I'm a friend of Jesus. No, no, we're still servants of Jesus, but now we are more than servants. We are friends. And I think when we talk about you know, being a confidant or, or, or having Jesus confide certain things in us, that should give us enormous confidence in how we approach life as we know that we have the word of God to guide us into how we are to live. And I think what makes this statement super amazing to me is not that we are intimate with Jesus, but that Jesus is intimate with us. Now, that's only if you are a friend of Jesus, and you're a friend of Jesus, how? He said, verse 14, you're my friends if you do whatever I command you. So what's the first step in being a friend of Jesus? The first step is to become a follower of Jesus. How do you become a follower of Jesus? Well, Jesus said you need to repent and believe the gospel. Repent, turn to God, and believe the gospel. Put your trust in Jesus. Gospel means good news. Put your trust in Jesus that he died. He lived a perfect life in your place and in my place, and he died on the cross in your place and in my place that whoever would put their trust in him, and God proved he was satisfied with Jesus' sacrifice by raising him from the dead, if you put your trust in Jesus, you will have eternal life, and that is how you begin the first step of becoming a friend of Jesus. Now, we prayed earlier that next week we're going to begin a study in the life of Abraham, and Abraham was known in the Bible as the friend of God. And in Genesis chapter 18, uh, the Lord was going to punish the city of Sodom, for their arrogant disobedience and their arrogant pride. And so what happened was, this is what it says, Genesis eighteen seventeen. it says, and the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? And he didn't. He didn't hide it from him. Why? Because Abraham was God's friend. And so God will not hide from us what he is doing. Now, here's the thing we have to remember about being a God's friend. Uh, does Jesus still expect us to obey? Yes, he does. Can I say that again? 
A lot of people say, well, it doesn't matter. You know, Jesus, there's grace and God forgives me. It doesn't matter whether I obey or not. Well, just think of every human relationship you have. Can you stomp on people and call them friends? Certainly not. So yes, it does. Jesus still does expect the apostles and us to obey, but it comes out of not just because we're told to, sometimes it may come down to that, but but it comes out, out of a heart of understanding Jesus's love for us. It comes out of love that we have for Jesus because he loves us. And if you trust Jesus' heart, it will be much easier. And here's a problem, believe it or not, that you do come across with a lot of followers of Jesus. And maybe you have to admit this to yourself today. A lot of people are very suspicious of Jesus. Not just people who don't believe in him, but people who do believe in him. Often they think, well, I, I, can't, I can't obey the Lord because he might tell me to do something I don't want to do. Well, remember that God wants what's best for you. And so it's very important that we're not uh, suspicious of Jesus because if you are suspicious of Jesus, it will not be easy to do what he asks for you to do. He says, this is my command that you love one another. If you don't trust Jesus, it's going to be hard to obey that command. He says, you are my friend if you do whatever I command you. If you don't trust Jesus, it's going to be hard to do what he commands you to do. For example, you might be really upset with someone and you go and you think, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. And that little voice says to you, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're 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 going to keep your mouth quiet. You're going to let this thing play out. And you're going to let me work in the midst of this situation. Well, if you don't trust God to work it out, then you're going to find it very difficult to obey him. Now, let's talk about something else just for a second that might be really, really hard for some of us. Some of us just cannot be told what to do. I know that's not easy to hear, but you know who you are and you know that's the truth. You think, oh, well, it's the way they said it to me. If you don't want to be told what to do, no matter how anybody says anything to you, is going to be hard for you. Even if God himself tells you what to do. Now, this was probably an advantage to me of all the years I owned a service business because I would just pick up, we had these things called telephones, we didn't get all our orders online, and you'd have people, some nice, some not so nice, most in between, and they would be telling you what to do. And as someone in the service business who wanted their business, I would say, okay, we can do that. Okay, we could do that. And then I would say, is there anything else we could do for you? In reality, I'm saying, would you like to tell me anything else to do? And so we have to be people who God can tell us what to do. But see, here's the thing. By knowing the motives of the person speaking and the real motives, not our imagination of what their motives is, by noting, knowing the motives and the plans and purposes of God, that will help us to perform what God asks us to do or commands us to do better. That will give us a much better attitude An attitude is so important in in any endeavor we go in, whether it's in the workplace or in serving God somewhere else. We do serve God in the workplace. Don't forget that. And if we desire to please the Lord with our work, and we should, 
I think a lot of times people think when they go to work on Monday, well, you know, now I'm just going to hold my breath till next Sunday. No, we do all of we that we are to do. Colossians 3.17 tells us, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to have a, if you will, a spirit of excellence in desiring to do our best in everything that it is that we do. But if we're always suspicious of God's plans or of other people, if we complain about everything that we're asked or told to do, we won't be loving people and we certainly won't be trusting in God's plan for our lives. We often say that we are to bloom where we are planted and we are to understand that God puts us in his sovereignty into certain places and he wants us to do what he says. Look at the end of verse 15. He says, for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Mark 4 puts it this way. He says, Jesus says to them, I have made known to you the mysteries of the kingdom. I love that. And if you don't know what a mystery is in the Bible, for us, a mystery is something, you know, people say, well, what's going on with that? You go, that's a mystery to me. In other words, like you can't figure it out. But in the Bible, a mystery is something that was previously unknown, but now is known. And so God reveals to us now the mysteries through Jesus of the kingdom. You see, what were some of those mysteries? Jesus had told them why he came to earth. He told them about his mission, that he must die on the cross for their sins. Now, if you know the Bible, you, we studied this in Matthew's gospel, Peter, the apostle Peter was not happy with that. He's like, that ain't happening on my watch, God. But, and, and, you know, he, he, Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. That probably didn't go over so well. But, but see, he's, he's telling them the mysteries of the kingdom. He, Jesus told them how he would rise from the dead, how he would return to heaven and how he would return again, how he came the first time as a savior to save their, his people from their sins, as the angel told Joseph, his earthly father, and he will come back the second time as a judge. So when Jesus comes back again, do you want him to come back as your savior or as your judge? Important question. Jesus told the apostles and now has told us God's plan for people to receive the forgiveness of sins, for people, sins against God, people to, how to receive eternal life in heaven. These are the things that Jesus explains to his friends. Now, the people of God in the Old Testament did not have the details that the apostles got. They did not have the details that we have, yet Jesus was giving the apostles time to grasp what he said. Why is that? Well, the apostle Paul told us that love is patient. And I know some of you wish you could grasp the things of God more quickly than you are but remember, you've got the rest of your life and all of eternity to grasp these things. And God is patient with you. We need to just, the scripture says, to press on towards maturity. 
Jesus will send, he already promised the apostles, or he's going to promise the apostles, he did actually in the last chapter, that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will teach his friends. So if you are a friend of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will teach you what he's already told you in the word of God, and he's going to teach you more. One of the greatest rewards of being a pastor is when people meet you after service and they will say this to you, this morning, God brought great clarity to me what I am to do in this situation or what the next step is for me for this. Notice they didn't say, Pastor Jim, you brought great clarity to me. They'll say the Holy Spirit or God or the, or the Bible brought great clarity to me. And so God wants us to continue in a lifelong learning and loving experience with him and his ways. But remember this, the more we learn, the greater responsibility we have. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much more is required. And so Jesus is telling his friends basically this, I tell you things that I don't tell other people. I tell you things that they actually can't understand. Oh, they may hear it, but they may get angry about it. Or they may think that you're totally crazy. Do you ever talk to anybody about the things of God and they just think you're just a complete nut job? Or they, or they think they know what you're saying, but they're misunderstanding what you're saying and they get very angry with you. Well, let me give you a verse that has really, really helped me. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this one down. Has really, really helped me to, to understand this and given me great clarity. And I try to always remember this when I'm talking to people who do not uh, exhibit or claim to have what we would call saving faith, forgiveness of sins and eternal life, saving faith in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul writes this, 1 Corinthians 2.14. But the natural man, the way we are without the Spirit of God, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And so before you think like, well, you're just a fool, don't think that. And then he tells us why. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. That means a lot of the things that you and I tell people, they can't understand them for this simple fact. They don't have the Holy Spirit. It's been well said of the Bible, it's the only book that you have to know the author to understand it. As a follower of Jesus, we should so value, place such a high value on the things that Jesus has told us. But this is a very hard thing to do if we are obsessed with the things of earth. Remember, some of the things of earth that are contrary to the word of God, they provide a lot of interference for us, if you will. And you just can't understand or you can't comprehend or you have difficulty understanding what God is saying. This is just me personally. I often wonder how much more God would tell us if we were more diligent to seek out his voice. If we were more diligent 
to seek out his heart, I often wonder how much more of his counsel we would receive if we obeyed the counsel he has already given to us. You know what happens a lot of times, you you might give something to someone to do and you think, I can't give them the next step until they complete that step. So I wonder how much God is just sitting waiting for us. We always think we're waiting for him. How much time, how often God is waiting for us to obey his counsel before he gives us the next step. How much more wisdom would we get from God if we only received the wisdom that God had already given us? If we already received the loving wisdom that God had already given to us, and then we took that wisdom, but we just didn't soak it in for ourselves, but we passed that wisdom on to other people. I mean, when I think about Jesus telling us more, when I think about getting more counsel from God, when I think about getting more wisdom from God, and then all of us passing it on to one another, the potential of that absolutely blows my mind. The potential of of, of being a church like that absolutely just makes my my heart just, just explode with joy. Psalm 25, 14 says this, the secret of the Lord, or another version says, the secret counsel of the Lord is with or for those who fear him. If you fear and reverence God, if you love God, then the secret counsel of the Lord is yours and he will show them his covenant. Another version says that he will make known to you his covenant or he will reveal to your covenant. So we might say, if you want to know the plans of God, you must know God. And if you know God and if you love God and if you seek God, he says, I'm not, I am near, I'm not far like you think I am, then he is going to make those things plain to us. I like to call it this way. God will give you the ability to see the unseen. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience if you haven't seen it. Verse 16, Jesus continues. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. We might word it this way. You did not choose me, Jesus says to them, but on the contrary, I chose you. Now, people argue, did he just choose the apostles for their apostolic mission, or is he talking about all followers of Jesus in general? I think the answer to that question is yes. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Why? That you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Some of you have heard say that your fruit should last, that whatever you ask, this goes back to verses one through 11, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Oh my goodness, how that end of that verse has been twisted. We'll get to that in a second. Here we find out how earthly friendship with Jesus is so different than earthly friendships. Jesus says this, you did not choose me. The scripture says, none seek after God, no, not one. You did not choose me, Jesus says, but I chose you. Let's think about earthly friendships for a minute. Some people, they actually don't feel drawn to one another as friends. 
that's okay as long as there's not hatred in your heart. We talked about that last week. But here's the thing. You don't have to be drawn to people as friends, as, you know, we're going to hang out and stuff like that. You can be friendly, but not necessarily say that they're friends, but you can still work together. You don't have to be tight friends with everybody to work with them. Sometimes actually being close friends with people can get in the way of working together because you think, well, come on, dude, I'm supposed to be your friend, you know? So what if I'm slacking on the job? And so taking advantage of that, that's not good. Sometimes uh, one party um, doesn't like another person. Maybe someone, you're trying to be their friend and you get the impression they don't like you or they're trying to be your friend and you don't particularly like them. Well, there won't be much friendship there unless one of you changes. But usually friendships develop when two people like each other and pursue their friendship. But but that's not what we have here. Jesus says, you're my friends because I chose you, because I pursued you. Jesus pursues his people. Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.